Welcome to the Inside Sales Enablement Podcast. Where has the profession been? Where is it now? And where is it heading? What does it mean to you, your company, other functions, the market? Find out here. Join the founding father of the sales enablement profession, Scott Santucci, and trailblazer Brian Lambert as they take you behind the scenes of the birth of an industry. The Inside Sales Enablement Podcast starts now. Hello, I'm Scott Santucci. And I'm Brian Lambert, and we are the Sales Enablement Insiders. Our podcast is dedicated to asking the big questions that you should be asking if you want to be successful with sales enablement. On this podcast, we rethink, reframe, and revisit sales enablement topics. And in this podcast, it's a special edition. So what is the special edition and how do we frame it out? So this is the part where we normally frame things. And the, the idea that we had is as Brian and I go to events, what would be wonderful is for the people who weren't at the event to have a debrief. So we're going to do a debrief. And last week, actually yesterday, uh, Brian was at the Sales Enablement Soiree in Boston. And one of the things that Brian did is participate in a panel. So my first question is, Brian, what was your panel? What was the topic? And what was who else was on it? And what was the discussion? Yeah, uh, so great event. Um, picture 250 or so people in a room um, in Boston at the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, what, we, what we covered, Scott, was the idea of a charter and why is a charter important. Uh, on the panel with myself, um, with the Sales Naomi Society, kind of moderating as, you know, uh, non-biased, et cetera. And then I, with, the, with the folks on, on the stage, there were six of us. One was a Sales Naomi director from Dell, Mike, Mike Keeley was his name. We had Jill Guardia from the director of sales enablement from Trinet. We had Kevin. Jill. Yeah. Hey Jill. Um, she was great. Everybody was great. It was super awesome. I, I think uh, from, a, from a flow perspective, we really built off each other and it was great. Uh, we had Susan Savinoff from uh, monster. She's a VP of global sales enablement, Alex McKenzie. Uh, he, he was great because he's a sales director. So he's a recipient of the charter and, you know, somebody who would benefit from it. So he brought that, that sales leader perspective. And then from Lucid Chart, we had Brandon, who's the director of sales operations from one of the vendors there. So great mix. Excellent. So what did you guys talk about and what were some of the, so what were some of the takeaways? So the topic of a charter is interesting because if you search on Google, um, everybody's got a, you know, a take on a charter. And actually, Scott, you and I are the first ones to say, you know, 2010 or so, that having a charter is important. So for eight or nine years, this idea of a charter has been floating around in the sales enablement space. And it's interesting because there's no, you know, one structured format or specific template. And I think I get asked that a lot, you know, what's the template for this? And what we did on the, the panel was not necessarily focus on the contents of said charter, but the, the results that you would drive with a charter. So why a charter? What's the purpose of it? What are the things you, some of the things you do with it, et cetera. And the, the, the key takeaways from the discussion that we had uh, was you have to have a charter, no matter the size of your re remit, you either need to have um, a specific set of, of tasks, activities, or a specific scope, or a, a specific uh, set of outcomes to drive. Um, so that was the first finding. The second finding, Scott, was that everybody's at a different stage in their evolution of gaining hey, buying. Can I interrupt you real quick? Yeah, sure. Let's go back to the, the issue about the charter. 
So I'm trying to imagine, uh, imagine our listeners and knowing full well that, uh, boy, I've been a, a, a pretty big advocate about talking about a charter. It is a boring topic for most people. How in tuned was the audience to talk about a charter? Well, lucky for us, uh, we were in a great time slot, which was the first panel of the day. But what we did uh, was we framed out across the six of us the life cycle of a charter. So picture uh, six, six people that have either benefited from or built charters. And, you know, the idea of going from, hey, you know, what should we put in it all the way through to adoption? Uh, that unfolded in front of the you know the eyes of of the people in the audience. So we had very specific questions that basically built a charter in front of the audience. And the the key the, one of the first comments from the audience was, "Wow, this sounds like uh, this sounds like professional selling." You know, you guys identified an outcome, you identified a need, you had a point of view as this you know unfolded across the stage. Then you had to get buy-in. There's multiple stakeholders, and you had to sell the sizzle, et cetera. Right. So it's you know, it was really striking to the first audience member that having a charter is much like, you know, being a salesperson and, and uh, selling the value of your function. Mm -hmm. The reason uh, that I'm going to advocate here, so I tried to play a little bit of devil's advocate of going, oh, God, what do we want to talk about a charter? But in the maybe the fourth or fifth uh, Sales Enablement Society meeting that was actually before it was the Sales Enablement Society meeting, it was just the local Washington DC meetup group way back in 2016. We actually had a meeting around a charter. You remember that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And basically for those of you who weren't there, they, our audience broke into two, two different camps. Some were saying, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous. I'm just gonna follow the form and template that's given to my company. What a waste of time. And the other half are saying, are you ridiculous? The charter is the most important thing uh, to be there. And uh, Brian Murphy, do you remember what, what Brian Murphy did? He took the computer away from me and he got on Google and he searched and he pulled up the Magna Carta. And he said, guys, this is what a charter is. Nothing could be more important. And he, uh, you know, being a historic, historical buff, it was a, a way to delineate the power away from the king uh, to uh, to the servants, and it was the foundation of actually the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and all these other wonderful things. So that is somebody who had a very strong, passionate plea. And um, um, did you hearken any of that any of that story on the group? Well, we didn't because one, we only had thirty minutes, and there were six of us. And the goal that you know from the design of the experience was to go through the process and the importance of it. Um, but, you know, people had a choice to make around its importance, certainly through that discussion. And I think it definitely landed in the space of it's critical and there are critical components that need to be covered, such as the delineation of power, such as, you know, who are the kings and who are the, who are the, the constituents, uh, such as, you know, what's our specific uh, set of activities and actions? What do we stand for? And then the idea of who do we socialize it to, when, how, and build a, you know, uh, one of the things that, that did come out at the end of it was this idea of kind of the coalition of, of the willing folks to actually uh, enable or activate the charter. So what one reason somebody who's living should build a charter? Well, uh, I started the, the group off with uh, 
anybody anybody a Boy Scout out there? And I and I, I know uh, that puts uh, you know forty percent of our audience in that group or so because a lot of sales enablement are women. But when you look at the idea of the the life saving merit badge, and if you go with me for a second, in the life saving merit badge they teach you something counterintuitive, and that is when you're going out to a drowning person and you're swimming out there, you don't go anywhere near them. And, and the reason for that is in a state of panic, they will grab onto you and you'll both go to the bottom. Mm -hmm. So there was this aspect of certainly, uh, you know, tongue in cheek, a bit of survival, but more importantly, it was this idea of sometimes you ride in as sales enablement. And as you coined a long time ago, Scott, become the VP of broken things and you go straight to the bottom. And so you need to be able to delineate what are the critical items, what are the must-have actions, and where are you going to draw the line based on your current resourcing, et cetera. So that was highly, uh, uh, you know, visceral to people. They, they empathized with that. Uh, certainly the audience members that I talked to in, on the break, some, a couple of them had been, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of asks and uh, expectations that they have from various stakeholder groups. Gotcha. So let's do some rapid fire here. Uh, so give me three things. I'd love to know three takeaways that you got from all the other sessions. So we got a good wrap up or a good understanding about the, the panel that you were on and what you were talking about with a charter. So, you, you know, you were there. What, are, what were some, what were three, three Brian thoughts <laughs> that you got yeah. from that? Um, well, I'll, I'll give you uh, one that, that um, is, is uh, maybe not as super positive, but it's this idea of we're still a bit in redefining, unfortunately, instead of moving forward. Um, and also uh, because of that, there's a lot of, um, I think this idea of um, declaring things on people. So, you know, from the stage or from the groups, you know, uh, saying things that, that are certainly um, maybe levied with an expectation that everybody understands and like for an example we're going to we're going to talk about you know scaling readiness um somebody in the audience said well what do you guys mean by scaling and what do you mean by re readiness you know and i high-fived him because that's a great question so you know um instead of declaring here's what scaling is and here's what readiness is um being being more curious so this idea of let's not you know uh, declare things on people. Let's let's be curious and make sure we're talking the same thing. It was a big, big theme for me as I, I walked through. The second is this idea of everybody's working on something, and that sound, might sound, um, you know, duh, Brian. Gee, you're you're a genius. But when you look at all the somethings, and you put them all out there, it is it is overwhelming when you have 250 people all working on something different, yet they're all interrelated. And boy, there are a lot of choices you can be making. So the sheer volume of stuff being worked on is 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 incredible to me. Uh, so that was the second. The third one was, you know, I just I just love sales enablement people. Um, we're down to earth. We tell it like it is. We walk up to each other like we've been lifelong friends and we didn't even know each other in the past. Um, I met Evelyn, um, you know, uh, through. Um, one of the people that sat at the table with me and she's like, oh, I bumped into Evelyn and she brought her over and Evelyn and I both live in Charlotte and we actually ended up on the same plane home. So, um, you know, just the connections that are built through putting yourself out there mm -hmm. and saying, you know what, I'm curious, tell me about you. 
uh, I have a question for you. It was awesome. Excellent. So those were some three, uh, three great takeaways. Let me tell you what I inferred from it uh, so that uh, you can correct me if <laughs> uh, I didn't get a different, got a different understanding. So your first point about we're still re redefining. Uh, what I what I took about that is we still don't have uh, enough of a clarity that people feel like they've got to you know keep redefining and keep redefining and keep redefining that the definition isn't good enough. Right. Is 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 do I understand that correctly? Right. And uh, Forrester uh, actually you, you might not know this Scott but Forrester actually got up and and said you know here's our here's our new and updated definition of sales enablement. Uh, little did she know the person in the audience was sitting there that put out the definition, you know, 10 or 11 years ago with you. Uh, so to have Forrester redefine it 10 years apart was a bit surreal. But yeah, so that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh, geez. Um, well, that's interesting. Uh, well, we can have a whole different thing about talking about that definition. I really wasn't prepared for that. The second topic that you brought up is people doing stuff. Um is when you talk to folks and all the different activities that they're doing, are they clustering in any pockets or anything that you can see any prioritization? Because I think uh, at least from my perspective, it's very difficult to, for a profession to move forward if every tactic, everything out there is sales enablement. We don't put it in any kind of categories. How do we, how do we, how do, how do we as a profession share information with each other? Right. Uh, so I didn't see any of that. Um, I think if you took everybody individually, they, they probably have some sort of individual prioritization and bucketization. Uh, there, there, there are likely to be some defaults there. For, for example, this is what my sales VP wants me to work on. Right. So kind of that level of prioritization. Um, the other, the other piece of it is, um, there is an assumption that everybody's working on the same thing. Like one of our sessions was playbooks. So with no real setup or context of what playbooks are, it launched into here's how you do them, et cetera. And I guess thinking back on it, same thing with the charter, you know, um, I, I spent a lot of time explaining why that we should at least explore that. But when it came to playbooks, it was, you know, we should, we should all be doing this and here's why. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a uh, interesting, juxtaposition there of what must-haves versus nice-to-haves and then who's determining the path forward and and I think there's a it resonates with individual leaders sales enablement leaders that they're kind of in control of their own their own destiny in that regard hmm. interesting so uh, and then the third the third topic was sales enabled people and Boy, we don't really need to talk about that. If you are listening to us passively and you don't go to your local chapter meetings and at, at, in sales enablement or you don't engage with folks online, you're really missing out because one of the best things to do is to talk to folks. You might not uh, agree <laughs> a lot, uh, but when you actually talk to another human being and try to understand where they're coming from, you're going to learn a lot more and trying to peruse the web and look at definitions and all the people's outcries of uh, specificity. So uh, I think that that point is great. And I think it's fantastic that um, it's my understanding, Brian, that's a, the, the event, the soiree, that's a free event, right? And it's sponsored, it's sponsored by vendors. Is that's, that's correct. Yeah. 
That's right. And, you know, a hearty thanks to them. It's, it was free and, uh, the food was good. There were, there were, uh, there was food at the breakouts and I know the soirees happening after, uh, Dreamforce uh, this year. And, and they, they're talking about having a thousand people or more at that event. So yeah, yeah. Great, great job by the vendors that supported that and appreciated talking to them as well. That's another thing, uh, as a sales enablement professional, it's, um, Definitely be grateful for the resources that, that, that people are paying. Sure, the vendors that are providing that, uh, that information definitely would like you to think of them, uh, but they don't need to do it the way that they're doing it. They could just be pounding you through um, LinkedIn bombardment like every other supplier. So keep that in mind for the, the vendors that are engaging you the right way uh, and be thankful for it. So now we have this uh, one last section it's a special assignment. So one of the things that Brian and I did was uh, before going to the set session, we tried to come up with a, spe- a little bit of fun thing, a special assignment. Let me frame out the special assignment. So the question that, uh, that we came up with was, how do we get clarity around sales enablement? So it is, I guess, a little bit related to defining it, but it's, it's this way. If, if, Sales enablement, when you put those two words together, they mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So one way to think about that is when somebody says sales, what do they mean? Do they mean an individual sales transaction, sales managers, the sales force, revenue? So how you answer that question is one area to scope. And the second question is enable sales to do what? based on your definition of that. So it's always an interesting question that I get because I find people are all over the place I'm really curious. So we had we sent Brian out there to Boston and he asked that same question. How many people did you get a chance to talk to and what did you learn by asking that question? I asked uh, 10 people, um, what, when you think of sales, what, what, what comes to mind and, and, and what does enablement mean? Um, so on the, the question of what do you think of sales, uh, four people said um, selling things. Uh, so that was four of them. One person said exchange of value comes to mind, uh, building trust, getting deals. And somebody said it's, it's the sales team. So that's the, that's the aspect there of when, when you think of sales, what comes to mind? Well, selling things, exchange of value, building trust, getting deals, and the sales team. Hmm. So let's just talk about that one for a second. How would we build a charter and a department focused on trust? I think we would start by saying we have to sell things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so sell things, what things, to whom? Right. Yeah. And when exchange of value, what do we mean by that? Could we get in, you know, who gets to determine what value is and how do you write a charter on that one? Right. So maybe it's just me, but I'm, I'm an incredibly anal person. And uh, I think that first question is incredibly important because the more specific you answer it, it helps you set that out. So if you think sell things, that's so vague and broad, how are you going to figure out any kind of target to focus it on? Uh, so for me, I like, I like to think backwards sales equals revenue. Uh, maybe the second uh, order of that, it'd be sales be client facing employees or the sales department, uh, you know, I, I think tops down that way. I know a lot of people who think individual sellers, 
from my sense, if you think sales is individual sellers and you're enabling it, then really you're just, you're, you're just doing coaching. So Brian, what were some of the answers with uh, the enablement part? Yeah. And as a segue there, Scott, uh, a recurring theme, by the way, was um, the concept of revenue enablement as opposed to sales enablement. I think we should make a note and, and have that on a separate podcast because uh, that's a bit of a double-edged sword there. But revenue enablement was brought up by um, Peter Ostro in, in, in his first keynote. And this idea of revenue enablement kind of permeated throughout the day. Um, so that's so to your point about, you know, what are we enabling, uh, sales team or revenue, um, what is that? We should probably look at that on a separate podcast. But when it comes to the second part of the question, you know, enabling or enablement, what does that mean? Um, this one was really uh, interesting for me because, as you know, Scott, we, we've spent a lot of time on um, looking at the different uh, types of scope that enablement functions can have. And uh, the easy answer, I think, and it makes a lot of sense, is to say, well, however I define sales, it means helping reps do what I just said. So if uh, it's selling things, enablement means it's helping reps do that. If it's building trust, it's helping reps do that. Um, but there were, there were some, some uh, differences here with, with other p folks. So two or three people said it's helping, helping people do the above or do what I just said. But another big theme was this idea of, of training. So uh, we, we tended to, to uh, not we, but um, several people tend to talk in terms of enabling the reps, enabling the reps, enabling the reps, which really is an, another word for training the reps, training the reps, training the reps when you get down to it. So um, it, it, it equaled training a lot. There, were, there was one, one person that said it's about uh, this idea of uh, content, and skills and processes and tools. Uh, another person was was straight at the technology angle, so platform, platform, platform. And then somebody said it's uh, this idea of playbooks and, and went through this idea of the plays that they run and the playbooks that they have and how the playbooks equal enablement to the company and the scope of enablement is determined by the playbooks that are built and, and rolled out. Interesting. Um, so my my reaction to that is um, having spent a lot of years advancing the sales enablement role, how many times do you think I've been told I don't like the sales enablement, I don't like the word enablement, or that's not even a word. <laughs> it's not, you know, you're, you're trying to build a function that doesn't even have a word. So what's interesting is uh, there are uh, there are probably as many people that I've encountered that think the word enable to enable is positive as there are people who think it's negative. And one who, ne who are negatives think of, think of it like you're enabling an alcoholic or you're enabling a drug addiction. You're right. doing things for somebody so that they don't have to thrive. Whereas the folks who think enable positively, in interestingly enough, they tend to be more technical architects or city planners, a mayor, <laughs> for example. Yeah, we're gonna enable people to move through the city at rush hour. Or, or bigger, the city planner wouldn't even think that discreet. It's we're going to design the environment to maximize people to thrive. Mm, yeah, and for point. me, that's, that's the 
that's the angle of enablement that I like and that I think about is it's designing the environment to allow people to thrive. I'm not so much in the, in the, in the bucket of giving, giving things to help people do their job. Uh, Cause I think that's more of the make them needy, right? It's giving them the fish or teaching them to, to fish. I'm, I'm more of the camp of understand the work flow that they have to do and then make it simple behind them so that uh, their environment becomes simpler. So anyway, it's just sort of interesting. That's my perspective. Um, what's your hey, perspective? Scott, uh, just, this just in, by the way, since we're doing a special addition uh, here, late breaking news comes across the desk that the Sales Enablement Society has launched a campaign today to actually make enablement a real world word in the dictionary. I don't know if you saw that earlier this morning, but uh, they're, they're, they're actually starting a petition to get rid of, rid of the red squiggly lines in Microsoft Word to make enablement a real word. So there you go. That argument might soon be put to bed that enablement is indeed a real world, word if uh, the society has its way here. So just want to give you that news flash. I didn't know if you saw it. Excellent. All righty. So here we are. Uh, we, this is the, the wrap of our special edition series. We're going to do another special edition next week. Uh, next week that I'm going to be down in Atlanta with the Conference Board Sales Enablement Council. And we'll do another special edition that way. Thank you very much for, for joining. For those of you who are listening and are um, subscribers, please subscribe to our podcast so that you can you can listen it when we put it put it out. We're in a great cadence of of cranking these things out. Please give us feedback. We got one great email yesterday from from a member. We'll, we'll or a listener. We'll take their email. We're actually going to do a, a a podcast around that eventually. So thank you very much. Keep giving the feedback. As always, please give us ideas of what you'd like to talk about. Highlight some of the topics that Brian and I are, are sharing that are relevant to you. And email us at engage at insidese.com. That's engage insidese.com and share your thoughts. Feel free to share them on LinkedIn, Twitter, any other any other way that you can. We love to get them. Brian, any parting thoughts before we leave? No, appreciate everybody listening and uh, don't forget to like and share as well. Thanks for joining us. To become an insider and amplify your journey, make sure you've subscribed to our show. If you have an idea for what Scott and Brian can cover in a future podcast or have a story to share, please email them at engage at insidese.com. You can also connect with them online by going to insidese.com, following them on Twitter, or sending them a LinkedIn request.